when Hamlet, in the middle of his torment, screams, Heaven and Earth, must I remember? It seems to me you could ask the same. Well, I, I like to quote Malraux. Malraux always says that uh, literature means obsessions. We all have obsessions. If you don't, then you don't write. And what you write is not good. And if you deal with someone else's obsessions, you write someone else's literature. And it's true that, of course, I'm obsessed. How can I not be obsessed? Uh, the problem is, what do you do with your obsessions? You can turn them into, as you said, into only a mirror of tragedy. But they, I also think they can go further than that, meaning if you deepen, if you deepen the, the, the literary experience of any event, of any, of any memory, at one point, you go beyond it. Um, so the obsessions that are ours, of course, deal with fire and darkness, and they deal with incommensurate suffering. But you cannot stop there. And therefore, in, in, in my work, I, I dealt with, with, of course, that period, but in, in a tangential way. I have published, I have published 18 books, but two are coming, meaning I've written 20. Four of them deal with that period, only four. The others are the Bible, the Talmud, the Hasidic movement, the Russian Jewry, Jerusalem, or um, the 17th century pogroms. It's, it's, a way, it's a way for me not to speak of the event by speaking of something else. And then at the same time, of course, those memories do come in as obsessions do come in, whether I want it or not. But you could not have chosen some of those other subjects, surely not 17th century pogroms, and probably not uh, the wisdom of the Hasidic masters, but as a roundabout way of returning to the special suffering that has marked the history of the Jews. No doubt. Of course, but, uh, occasionally, for instance, I wrote a book about the Bible. I, uh, the second one is coming out this year at Notre Dame. Even the Bible, somehow, it, uh, unwillingly and unwittingly, suddenly I see myself writing, and there is a word that has special connotations. And again, then I am in a, in a mood of what we call the obsessions, meaning it's there. I speak about Abraham and Isaac, and although they lived 4,000 years ago, but I bring them back. And how can one not do so when certain words have been contaminated? They have, they have flared up. You know, I, I remember I, I, I met Nellie Sachs after she got the Nobel Prize, and she was a marvelous lady. I went to Stockholm, really, to, 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 speak and, and to speak with her and spend time with her, to invite her to serve on jury, which I chaired then, and so forth. And she said to me the difficulties that she had in writing simply because the words did not mean anymore what she wanted them to mean. They, they, they were no longer vehicles of communication. They were, they were blocks, they were walls. And this is true for all of us. Possibly a word that no longer means what uh, we wanted it to mean is the word Holocaust itself. Oh, my friend, I must tell you something. I feel, I feel remorse about it because... It's I, now I, become a popular subject. I'm ashamed to tell you, but I introduced it <laughs> in America. Oh, oh, some word had to be chosen to convey the, uh, the ultimate horror and the fact that this was a qualitatively distinctive form of horror. And are you the man who chose in English the word Holocaust? I brought it in the I didn't know for, the first, for the first time. But I, I, Where I, did you first use it? In French, but first in, in an article in the New York Times, I reviewed it. I reviewed a book in the New York Times. And I explained how we refer to it as the Holocaust. I would rather have the, G the Yiddish word "hurban" 
Hebrew, Hurban, the destruction, really. Then when I used that word, I thought one of many. I used it in order to explain that I cannot use words. Uh, and you know what, what, what became of it, and I feel embarrassed because it does not really uh, translate what, what uh, we, we, we try to translate. It doesn't. No word can. Holocaust means an uncontainable fire sweeping it's across a vast area. An offering, a burnt offering. Yeah. Literally, it means in, from the Hebrew, a burnt offering. Well, it's more than that. But then any word, I would always say, it was more than that. It's, it, it, it was something that had no, no bounds, no, no limits. And now Spurtus College of Judaica here in Chicago, and I'm sure many other such reli uh, Jewish higher educational institutions have departments of Holocaust studies. Oh, certainly, we have it everywhere. It's, 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 but using that word. <laughs> Yes, but, but I must say they used it before the before the TV show. The TV show really uh, reaped something that had been there for for, for You've many, expressed, many years. You you have expressed anguish about that TV show of a few. Was it last year or the year before? It's been replayed at least once since. Oh, you say anguish. You are kind. I express anger. Anger, <laughs> anguish, followed by anger. I, I I reviewed it for the New York Times, and I must say I, I didn't want to review it. Uh, first, when they called me up, I said, all right, because I was convinced I would praise it. And in my life, I couldn't review anything negatively. I belong to a very special group of critics. I couldn't hurt anyone. So if I accept to review a book, it's only if I can celebrate it. And uh, the same thing happened when the Times called me up. I used to do things for the Times, reviews mainly, book reviews. And they offered me to, to review the TV series. And I was convinced it's going to be a, a moment in history. And I said, of course. Then I went to see it. And mind you, I saw it without the commercials. And yet, I, 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 I was terrified. And, and uh, I called back. I said, I'm sorry, I cannot review it. And I didn't even tell them the truth. I said, it's because I'm too close to the subject. What is the offense? Uh Frankly, I was offended by it, too, and I think I can anticipate what you will say, but I remind you that many members of our own community, American Jews, mm -hmm. felt good, uh, even if it's cheapened a little or dramatized or turned into a kind of soap opera at moments, at least it conveys the extent of the horror to a vast audience of millions who've never really understood, perhaps some of whom have never even believed, perhaps even some small number who've never even heard of it until now. So for spreading the truth, even though it's somehow a barbarized middle-brow version of a, an incomprehensibly difficult truth, uh, the program serves a useful purpose. That was the reaction of many rabbis, I, I imagine. Know, I know. I know. At, at that time, I was probably alone and uh, against the entire Jewish community. I didn't mind. Um, you mentioned, actually, the words that, that, that I mentioned. Uh, I was offended by the cheapness, by the vulgarity, by the trivialization. You simply don't deal with, with certain subjects without respect. If they, had, if they hadn't called it really Holocaust, if they had called it the, his, the story of a family and something, I would, I would have refused to review it. Because why, why should I destroy something that other people try to work? But they, the basic mistake was that someplace in the story conference they said, well, now to make it real and to get it down to the human level, we've got to fight, we've got to build it around a family, and sure. then it's got to be a nice family. <laughs> That's what they tried to do, actually. Not, and what, what bothered me is not only this. They chose the word Holocaust. And in their, in their publicity material, and they flooded the country with publicity, they said, this is the definitive record of the Holocaust. Did they say of definitive? Course, definitive. Indeed. Well, then I felt, as a witness, I had to protest. That's why I protested. Let me give you an example. Um, 
they worked on it very hard. They didn't find it necessary to speak to one survivor about it. Now, would anyone do a TV program of one hour on mathematics without talking to mathematicians, or about the black problem without talking to a black person? They didn't consult one single survivor. But you know whom they did consult? Assessment. They paid SS officers. They admitted it. The producer mm. admitted it. Well, I felt there was such a lack of respect. After all, some did they, go, did they go to any of the historians, Davidovich or no? They the did others? not. That's why all the historians were against the program, because you know you don't you don't play around. As now, but you said, of course, it reached more millions, but so does Kozak. <laughs> well, I don't think that this subject should become a Kozak. Furthermore, I happen to believe really that uh, superficial things do not have a lasting effect. Superficial things have a superficial effect. And I don't think that it's fair even to conceive of a possibility that such a subject should be treated superficially. Art, uh, in one classic definition, imitates life, or at any rate it organizes, reorganizes, and conveys the hidden meanings of our experience. Is it conceivable that any art or any scholarly work of history can fully convey the extent of the Holocaust? the extent of the destruction, and discover in it some meaning, which whether a sustaining meaning or not, at least is a meaning. I don't know that any work, uh, though there are some great works, and yours among them surely, can possibly provide the literary co-relative of what actually happened. No. I don't think that any art could exist. I don't even think should exist. Art and Auschwitz do not go together. A novel about Auschwitz is either not a novel or not about Auschwitz. Hmm. I have not written novels about the Holocaust. I only wrote one memoir. All the others are about the impossibility of writing about it. You know what comes to my mind? The last words of Wittgenstein's Schractatus. Only right. In German, how does it go? Worüber man nicht sprechen kann, muss man schweigen. One should not speak about things you cannot speak about. You should not. I then, that I then, of course, I go on on that. I like yeah. to continue and say, the other things are not worth speaking about. So the, the only must find a way of speaking. Must find a way, and that's why I give you my 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 ambition. If I had one, really, and, and I I don't think I can achieve um, in, in in field of language to of, and communicate something of, of of that period. I imagine a the greatest, let's say, the greatest ballet dancer in the world, but motionless on stage. Take the greatest orator, mute. Take the greatest singer who does not sing. Take the greatest writer who chooses not to write. And then by the very refusal of doing what he or she is best equipped to do, we would feel something of, of the impossibility, and therefore we would come close to that experience. But a direct confrontation is simply impossible. We, we, we cannot. I feel always, I feel a sense of failure. Whenever I finish a book, I feel a sense of failure. That image must be, or that metaphor must be very much in your mind. I note, of course, that uh, Grisha Kosover, the son of Paltiel Kosover, the poet, the Jewish poet, murdered by Stalin in 1952. I'm drawing from your new novel, The Testament. Uh, the poet's son, Grisha, is mute. He is mute because we all are. The son of the poet is 
permanently silenced. He is mute. He chose to be mute, actually. Yes. He cut his own tongue. And he is because we all are mute. We belong to a very strange generation. No generation has as much to say, and no generation is not equipped to say it as ours is. And therefore, we are mute. And perhaps the only way is to choose to introduce some element, some measure of silence in every word of ours. There is, it's even Hasidic, actually, Hasidic advice. You know, one, one rabbi said that well, who is, who is a, a good Jew or a good person? It is he or she who chooses um, not to scream when we want to scream and uh, to remain silent, especially when you do scream.